We all want more quote-unquote, big air quotes, engagement on our podcast. But the word itself poses some challenges and leaves us fighting for broad strokes instead of interaction that we just cannot scale. But we can fix it. This is the Podcast Accelerator. I'm your host, Mark Asquith. Of course, MD and co-founder of Captivate.fm, the world's only growth-oriented podcast hosting platform, the place where the serious independent podcaster comes to scale their audience. Go and check it out at Captivate.fm. Now, before we get to this engagement challenge, this issue with engagement, I just want to say that over on my Twitter profile, at Mr. Asquith, or you can go to mark.live slash Twitter, you can get this in a fully written version as well. And... You can also keep it for later because inside the email that you get, so you go to my Twitter profile, mark.live slash Twitter, press the start reading button and you're going to get this along with three actionable takeaways that you can keep plus a couple of other things that I've spotted around on Twitter and some links to things like my resource, my recommended resource of the week. So there's a, a whole visual version of this with a little bit more well, interactivity, I guess, over at mark.live slash Twitter. That's at Mr. Asquith on Twitter. All right, just go and get that. It's fantastic. So we are going to talk in this episode about why listeners won't engage with your podcast. That's the deep dive. I'm going to talk to you about a couple of the educational tweets of the week that I put out and one that I spotted from Evo as well. I'm going to tell you my recommended podcasting tool of the week. And obviously, I'm going to tell you a little bit more and your actionable takeaways okay but 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 i do just want to say that this episode is brought to you by aweber my email marketing platform of choice look you've got to be building an email list all right you need to be interacting with your audience you need to be what that's right engaging in return <laughs> all right you can do that through email and it's absolutely fantastic actually aweber I've, i mean i've worked with them for 10 years now um just go and check it out it's free you don't need a credit card you can build your list for free at mark.live slash email let's get to it why won't listeners engage with your podcast look before we try and answer this we need to think about a few things that we all as podcasters might not think about often enough what is engagement? Not the dictionary definition, but the actual meaning of engagement for us as podcasters, and in particular for our podcast, because it's different for every show after all. Why do we seek engagement in its broadest sense? Now, every time I say engagement, look, I need you to imagine that I'm doing big air quotes, all right? So why do we seek big air quotes engagement in its broadest sense? Next, why are interactions grouped together into this really bad catch-all word, engagement. And if we reframed engagement, could we do something more results-driven for our podcasts and something more useful and easier for our listeners? Let's break each of these down. What is engagement? Well, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, engagement in this context is as follows. The fact of being involved with something, which is exactly what we'd love our listeners to describe themselves as, involved in our podcast, involved in our brand, involved in our Facebook group, 
involved in our comments on a podcasting app, our Twitter stream, involved in our Instagram stream, or even involved in our email newsletter. And the list, it goes on and on and on. You can just add as many as you want there. But what we're really looking for is someone to be involved with us as people. And most of the time, we'll take that anywhere that we can get it. The problem is that engagement is for us, the podcaster. It benefits us, not the listener. And we'll say it's not for us. We'll say it benefits the listener. It's for listeners to talk to each other, blah, 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 BS, BS, BS. But it's actually for us as creators to wear as a badge. For example, if we have engagement, we become more valuable. We can showcase that engagement to sponsors and it'll help close the deal. We can use that engagement to enhance sponsor deals. I'll give you a post in my group. We can sell affiliate things to the people who engage with us. And we can ask those who do engage with us to do things for us, to give feedback, to share things, to advocate for us, and so on and so forth. And that is why we seek engagement. In its broadest sense, that is why we seek engagement. And I want to be really clear on this. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it whatsoever. But we can't pretend that it's not why we want that engagement. We can't just pretend it's for the listeners. In fact, if you embrace the notion that it's us that wants engagement as podcast creators, then you become more focused and more strategic. Because the more you know about why you're asking for something, and more importantly, what you'll do with that something when you have it, the more you'll measure it, and the more you'll really dig into what's working and what isn't. So, if we accept that we want engagement from our listeners because it benefits us, then we can actually focus on it, and we can make sure that it also helps them as well. So let me, let me go back to that list that I spoke about earlier. We want listeners to engage with our podcast, our brand, our Facebook group, our Twitter stream, our Instagram stream, our email letter, newsletter, any, anything else, right? It doesn't matter, does it, as long as they engage, right? No, no, no. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. We should not be happy with that. If we are happy with people engaging anywhere, then it becomes hard to measure, difficult to sell as a metric, hard to understand for listeners, and it doesn't benefit them much. Because you, the already very busy podcaster, has to try to be everywhere at once, and it won't happen, at least not consistently. So, if you can't be then consistent engaging back with people, then people won't engage with the channel that you've become inconsistent with, e.g. a Facebook group. If you just don't reply, they're just not going to keep engaging. They just won't do it. You're going to lose them. And then what? You end up right back here where we started, looking for ways to boost your engagement. (laughs) 
But the problem that most podcasters have yet to identify for themselves is this. We want listeners to engage so that we have a new metric to use for our brand. However, we're really, rarely strategic about how we instigate, ask for, react to, and measure engagement. And, frankly, we're too busy as podcasters to actually consistently maintain our side of the bargain in engaging with them in return. So now we've covered that. Now we've got that, you know, written down. If you're reading this on email, like I said, at Mr. Asquith on Twitter. If you're reading the email that I've sent. Now that we've got that written down, we can get under the skin of the problem a little bit more. And actually, you and me right here, right now, we can begin to fix it. Okay. So let's let's figure this this next question out. Why are interactions grouped together into this really crap catch-all word, engagement. Because we've just said we actually don't want podcast engagement everywhere. We want a proven, measurable place where we can foster interactions with our audience so that we can reliably grow those interactions and nurture people from being listeners to being friends and fans. The trouble is, that if you think about it like that, then it sounds hard. Heck, <laughs> it sounds like something a marketing person would say, and that sounds like it's a job. Sounds like it's something I've got to spend time on. Ugh. So instead, what happens is a lot of podcasters, they'll fire over to Facebook and, you know, jump in one of the Facebook groups out there and they'll say, they'll stick a post on saying, how do I get more engagement? But they don't want the answer. They don't want what I'm going to tell you and what I've just told you. They just want to be given the really specific, do this one thing that everyone else does and magically you're going to see masses of people engaging with you. They want that dream answer. <laughs> but that ain't happening. In fact... Asking for, quote-unquote, engagement tips and expecting someone to say, here's the single, one-off, exact answer is like asking for directions to a city that you've never been to before, ever, and instead of someone giving you turn-by-turn by, by turn directions, you going ahead to fuel and oil your car and going for a little pee break and making sure you, you've got your car snacks, you just expect the answer to be, well, easy. You just go there. <laughs> and that's great as a top level answer gurus have been writing books with answers like that in it for years but it doesn't actually help when it really comes down to it because we then end up back at well yeah but how so what do we have to do well we've got to ask smarter questions to get to the real answers that's a rule that's true in any endeavor and the first question we really need to ask is this what should we actually class there's engagement. And herein lies the power of podcasting. Du, du, du. In fact, this is where the real power of any creator business comes to the fore. Because what we actually class as engagement is entirely up to us. Yeah, let me explain. 
When you're running a business, right, when you're running Captivate, there are three levels of specific metrics, and I'll call them from here on in. I'm going to call them KPIs, which stands for Key Performance Indicators. They're just metrics that we need to measure. KPIs. There are three levels of these KPIs that can be broadly defined as, number one, hard and fast, KPIs that must exist. Number two, second level, business-specific KPIs that each business designs for itself to support and to feed the hard and fast. Number one, must exist KPIs. And then number three, the vanity KPIs, the vanity metrics. And if we take a software company like Captivate as an example, we can be really clear with these. Okay, so let's break it down a bit further. Number one, level one, the top tier, the, the, the must-have KPIs that you've got to measure. Actual website traffic, trial signups, activation rate, churn rate, revenue realized, cost of sales, net profit, amongst others. Business-specific KPIs that will feed those top-level must-exist ones. Email list size, open rate, click-through rate, Facebook ad performance, and a, a litany of others. And then the last tier, the kind of bottom tier, the vanity KPIs. Twitter followers, Instagram followers, key phrase rankings that don't generate traffic but sound good. Podcast downloads. Yes, vanity, but you'll see. Because what I've just described there, that, that, that three-tier system of, of KPIs, key performance indicators, is really, it's a marketing funnel concept, but upside down, in reverse. And those vanity metrics are where, where I want to spend a little bit of time, because I bundled podcast downloads into vanity metrics, vanity KPIs. Because people often get hung up on not chasing vanity metrics. You've probably read this in a book or you've heard it before. Don't chase the vanity metrics. Because a vanity metric is generally a number that looks brilliant on paper, but that doesn't lead to anything. And the reason that most vanity metrics don't lead to anything is because we don't design them. We don't design them to produce results. A good example is, is social media, and you'll see how this applies, okay? Personally, I only focus on Twitter and don't really bother with anywhere else. I really don't. I mean, I'm on them, and I've got the usernames, and there are content on there, but I don't actively engage with them. Why? Because I want to be present and to be able to interact genuinely with people consistently. But if I'm managing several social channels, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, blah, 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 because some guru somewhere has told me that my podcast has to be on every social platform, then I can't do that without something else, something more impactful to my podcasting business, suffering. So I focus just on Twitter and my followers on Twitter consistently grow. I run my newsletter through Twitter now, at Mr. Asquith, press the start reading button. But I don't focus on growing my Twitter numbers. Nor do I focus on increasing that number as my strategy for Twitter. Instead, I focus on turning a vanity metric, Twitter followers, into something useful for people. I focus on designing a Twitter experience that people will come to know, come to respect, and come to expect from me. An experience that's all about two-way conversation and interaction. A strategy that isn't there to grow my downloads, but exists to build relationships with people who might listen to my podcast if I design the right experience for their needs and 
if I'm consistently present. My Twitter followers are a vanity metric. The number of people who go from following me to listening to my podcast is also a vanity metric, but it's closer to a useful metric because people get to know me first and I design my podcast to get people to do something else, which is to know about Captivate or to know about something else. So it's designed like that. Now, the real metric here is how many of those people go from following me on Twitter to probably listening to my pod- podcast or or getting my newsletter, you know, getting this in, in written format or whatever, how many of them move forward and go on to work with Captivate? That is the real KPI. Because it's a genuine business metric that moves my business forward. It takes time to build trust and too many people push for a sale too early. All right, that's the thing you've got to understand. It takes time to build trust with people. Too many people push for a sale or what is effectively a sale, a conversion to listening to a podcast, for example. So a lot of people will tweet something like, buy my thing, and it'll be the first thing that someone sees of them. It's on bloody Twitter and they're expecting a sale. Or here's an audiogram. Subscribe to my podcast now. When in real life, it doesn't work. In real life, face-to-face conversations, you never do that. You never just go, you all right, right, Dave? Yeah, nice one. Subscribe to my podcast. Dave would be off. So let's go back to the Twitter experience. My Twitter experience is designed to help me to genuinely get to know people and to understand their needs, personalities, and to just generally build honest rapport with them. I put time into that. I'm present on Twitter all the time. And if I was to approach that concept, that idea as just, I want more engagement on my podcast, I wouldn't be able to interact with anyone in return because all I'd be interested in was the number of times someone engaged with me on any platform. And I'd be flitting between them, looking at the numbers, and I would chase another vanity metric but not have the time to design or nurture that experience on a person-to-person basis into something meaningful. What I'm more interested in is people genuinely interacting with me and giving me the opportunity to help them. And of course, to interact with them in return. Listeners don't owe us engagement. We have to earn interactions, and when we do... We have to respect that interaction and not simply see it as a number that we need to grow or as a chance to say, look, I've got a podcast. Go and subscribe now. We've got to see it as a chance that someone has given us to get to know them and to help them. If we reframed engagement, could we do something more results driven for our podcast and do something more useful and easier for our listeners? I'm going to tell you about an interaction that I had with a friend of mine, Greg, over on Twitter. But before I do that, let me just tell you what my recommended podcasting tool of the week is. If we reframed engagement, could we do something more results-driven for our podcast and something more useful and easier for our listeners? And as I said, 
I was discussing the subject of engagement over on Twitter last week, and a friend of mine, Greg, at Indie Dropping, who runs a wonderful community, brought these interesting points up. And there's a copy of this tweet embedded into the email version of this, by the way, at Mr. Asquith, if you want to get that on Twitter. So Greg said, Mark, I'd like to better understand what type of engagement you think a listener is actually interested in. My gut tells me most listeners just want to consume. And I know Evo Terra talked a little about this most recently. What we're missing is what engagement is desired by which parties and why. And I agree, Greg. I agree, Evo. You guys are two very smart people that I respect a lot. And most listeners, I agree, do not want to engage with us. And rightly so. I watch a lot of movies, all right? I watch a lot of Netflix, I watch a lot of Disney+, Plus. I read a lot of books, I play a lot of games, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. They are all sources of education, they're all sources of entertainment or escapism, and they're all a way to relax. Do I interact with the cast, production teams, authors, developers, or hosts of the media? Not that often, no. Because it's work for me to do that, unless... I get something in return, or unless I am so moved by something that I feel that it's worth my time to tell someone else about it. In fact, there are only a few people that I do interact with from my media consumption and that I interact with regularly based on me enjoying it. Those people are Aaron Mankey from Law, the sequel pitch team, Drew and the boys over there, and Ricky Gervais. And I interact with the first two because I've gotten to know them. Aaron Mankey over the course of four or five years, speaking together at podcasting conferences and seeing each other at various soirees and just getting to know each other, just becoming friends and listening to Law from Launch. Sam and I bloody love Law. I got to know the sequel pitch team more recently because I love their show and they're UK-based. And I interact with Ricky Gervais because I've loved everything he's done since The Office 20 years ago. That's my favourite ever thing that has been created in terms of media. And guess what? Ricky sometimes likes or retweets my at replies to him and actually replies now and again too. And there is another one as well, actually, Mark Hamill. I do that a little bit less. But Mark Hamill's the same. Love the guy. Love the guy. I've done for years. And sometimes when I tweet him, he either replies, retweets, or likes. So when it comes to Aaron... And the sequel pitch team, I interact with those because I'm fans and genuinely feel like we're becoming closer friends every time we talk. And with Ricky Gervais, it is a total dopamine hit for me when he, you know, someone that I'm a huge fan of takes the time to press a button to interact with me amongst the millions of people who interact with him. But it doesn't stop there. When I get into something new or enjoy some fresh media, if and only if, I'm moved by it enough, will I spend a little time doing the thing that they asked me to do? For example, I really enjoy listening recently to a podcast called The Industry, which is by a lovely chap called Dan Delgado. And I've listened to every single episode and only after getting to season three, episode 17, did I decide to tell him that on Twitter, which he then quote retweeted on the 31st of December at 3 p.m. I did the thing that he asked me to do. I went to Twitter and I mentioned him and struck up an engagement, an interaction with him. But it took me a lot of episodes 
to get close enough to his brand that I felt like it was worth my time and my effort in sharing that with the world. So with all that in mind, let's reframe engagement. Did I engage with Dan? Yeah, of course I did. But the singular action was an interaction followed by a reaction from Dan. It's something specific that had happened that Dan had nurtured by asking repeatedly for his listeners to do that. And this is the crux of engagement, design and simplicity. There are a lot of great apps and products out there helping podcasters to generate more engagement. But unless they have one, something genuinely unique, two, super deep pockets to generate a lot of awareness. So a lot of people are there to interact. And number three, a simple enough onboarding process that they'll achieve decent market share pretty quickly. Apps and products are not the solution to better engagement. Can we really ask our listeners to download a new app, sign up, learn how to use it, and then figure out how to interact with us on it just so that we can say that we have more engagement? No, we haven't earned that. In my view, we have not earned that, even if we do put a lot of free content out there into the world. That is our choice. However, the people that we can ask to do that are our fans. Our fans. And herein is the big demarcation between those mass engagement questions and nurturing listeners into becoming fans. The difference is a listener takes a long, long time to become a fan. They are not the same people. A listener and a fan are not the same people. A listener is a listener. A fan listens, but is part of your fandom. A fan has gotten to know you and has come to really, really love what you do and will do the things that are more inconvenient for them so that they can have more of you or so they can help you. Hey, they'll even pay for that. Listener support, Patreon and so on. Your fans will join that Facebook group or download that latest, greatest social podcasting app or will come to your live streams or will email you after an episode to say it was good or that it was bad. They do that because it matters to them. And we as podcasters have to earn the right to matter. So to Greg's point earlier, Most people don't want to engage. They want to consume. But luckily, despite everything that we think and everything that we're told, we actually don't want most people to engage. We only want two types of people to engage. One, people who are already fans. And two, people who are well on their way to becoming fans. They're almost there. It took me three seasons of the industry podcast to say hello to Dan Delgado. It took me seven episodes of Sequel Pitch. I'd invested enough time to know that these people matter to me in the sense that I wanted to be involved. Because remember, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, engagement is the fact of being involved with something. But what these podcast creators did was make it easy to know how to get involved by telling me straight. Tweeters. I do the same. Tweet me at Mr. Asquith on Twitter. That's the only thing I want you to do. 
go to Twitter and get involved with me. And I know I'm focusing on Twitter here a lot because it's what I enjoy, but that call to action, that CTA, can be anything as long as it's singular. It doesn't matter where you're sending them or what you're asking someone to do. It needs to be singular. Don't give people too many calls to action. It needs to be memorable, simple, so that I can remember to do it at any time. Now, not every listener will interact. Those who do are on their way to becoming fans. If they aren't already fans. And if you're too focused on all the engagement in all the places, you'll miss them. And not give them the time or the reaction that will tip them over into becoming advocates and a part of your genuine fandom. And remember, we've also got to go where our listeners already are. A social podcasting app that has comments built in is not the silver bullet. Might help. But look at your podcast analytics. How many people are actually currently using that app? It's too much to expect of a listener to do something hard. Relatively speaking, of course, you know, compared to just pressing play in the podcast app that they already use, getting a new app and logging in and sorting it all out is hard and it takes time. And frankly, it's really arrogant of us as creators to expect them to just help us because we want them to, because it helps us with our numbers, because what's in it for them? We have to go where our listeners are already active. And we have to make the reason to interact compelling. It's why I chose Twitter. It's where most of my audience hang out and I just happen to like it. If we don't do that, we won't get to our listeners. Now I'm going to get to three actionable takeaways, things that you can implement in just one second. But I'm going to close this deep dive off with a little saying from a grandma. My grandma said, Look after the pennies, and the pounds will look after themselves. And I say, look after the interactions, and the engagement will take care of itself. Here are three things that you can action right now based on this episode. Number one, stop asking how to get more engagement. I see this all the time in podcasting Facebook groups. Hey, how do I get more engagement on my podcast? Instead, design an experience and be super specific. Hey, how do I get people to have conversations with me on Twitter? The difference between those two questions is that the second question is me asking for an action, a conversation, and a dedicated place to do it on Twitter. But you can take your pick. It can be any action on any channel, but it should just be one of each. Two, start measuring interactions, not engagement. For example, I have a Captivate attribution link set up that points to my Twitter profile, mark.live slash Twitter. You've heard me say it. This means that I can say, hey, if you have any questions, go to mark.live slash Twitter and ask me. And I can measure how many people actually do that using Captivate. What am I looking for? Growth in those analytics and growth in conversations on Twitter. The call to action is singular, clear, memorable for listeners, and can also be accessed from your episode notes and measured within your Captivate hosting account. Number three, give people a reason to interact. If you want me to interact with you in your podcast, what's in it for me? Give people a really good reason on an episode-by-episode basis. For example, on our Star Wars podcast, Spark of Rebellion, we always report the news from 
the week in Star Wars. And so our call to action is often, hey, what do you think about, insert specific story, let us know with a sentence on Twitter. Go to sparkerebellion.com slash Twitter and tell us. It all sounds simple, doesn't it? So go ahead and do it. Start boosting that interaction today. Now, there are some educational podcasting tweets of the week as well. Some a couple of tweets that have helped people. One around engagement and one that Evo Terra tweeted around engagement as well. Evo is the host of Podcast Pontifications and a good good friend of mine if you want those tweets if you want that extra bit of goodness to see which help people the most in podcasting podcasters just like you go to my twitter account mark.live slash twitter or at mr asquith directly on twitter press the start reading button and you will get that extra content so until the next time thank you for joining me and please keep on captivating